0: Welcome to A Day of Prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me.
1: Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word.
2: Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the word, Kayla, can you open us up in prayer? Yes, I can. Lord, we just welcome you into our midst, and we thank you for being here amongst us, God. And we ask that you keep our listeners, God, and that you fill their place of dwelling, God. That you touch their family, God, and you continue to keep them like you always do, God. We ask for restoration, God, and restoring what was lost or what was stolen, God. And we thank you for doing what you already said you would do and for giving us knowledge and insight to continue to walk before you, God, and to be as shrewd as serpents but as gentle as doves, God. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. And we are continuing our study in First Corinthians. We're in chapter 5, and if I could... Uh, get a volunteer to read from verses 9 through the end of the chapter, please. I will. All right, Layla.
3: Um, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters. Um, since then, you would need to go out of the world but now i have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who was sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or reviler or a junkard or an extortioner. not oh sorry extortioner not even to eat with such a person for what i what have i to do with judging those who are outside do you not judge those who are inside but those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person.
0: Mm-hmm. As is our custom, I want to open it up to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. And to ask any questions that you may have. Alright?
2: Okay. Who okay.
0: would like to begin?
2: Uh, I think I'll go.
0: All right, I promise. Please do.
2: The Lord was especially showing me verse twelve where it says, For what I have for what I have to do with judging those also who are outside, do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. The Lord was showing me that Paul wasn't just talking about the church, he was also talking about Judging yourself and going, because, as a, I'll bring you to James, uh, I think James 4. James 4, 11, where it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the word, but a judge. There is... Doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? So the Lord is showing you that you have to continually be judging yourself. I don't know where the scripture is, but... I think it's inside of James where it's talking about before you before you move the splinter from another's of another's eye, remove the log from your own eye. So the Lord showed me that it's not my business to go and go sorry not sorry and go judge other people that's outside of my body but to judge myself first. And when I judge Myself, it allows the Lord to help bring the other people inside of Christ. Like when me, like when, let's say I get a spanking. Sometimes my other students go, you're so stupid for doing that. But it's not my business to go judge other people, I have to judge myself. And when I judge myself, I often see the problem with myself.
0: Okay, some some good points in there, um, especially about judging, right, because we're told in scripture repeatedly to judge ourselves, right, but also to judge rightly. But then again, the example you gave is in getting disciplined, right? yes. It was because you did not judge yourself or your actions, right? Yes. But you are in the household of another, namely your mother and I's house. And we have an obligation to the Lord to teach you, to train you, to equip you, to function, to ultimately reach a a level, a place of maturity that, one, you're able to judge yourself and and self-control, and that's something that we we instill in everything that we do, right? We give yes. you plenty of opportunities, each of you, to to judge yourselves, to make sure you're in alignment with the standards set forth in this house, which come directly from Christ. Yeah? Yes. Okay. But let's also look at what's happening here and in this chapter, actually in this this entire epistle. Paul, the Apostle Paul, Is writing to address things in this house, this church in Corinth, that are out of alignment with the standards set forth in Christ. He is not judging the people, as it were, right? He is judging the actions, the sin, right? We find that throughout Scripture. Teach the people, and this is what goes to my earlier point in the example that you gave, sir. It's to teach the people how to separate the holy from the common, or the holy from the profane, right? Yes. Okay, so let's also look at who Paul is addressing. He's not addressing the world, as in, in Scripture it says many times, the Gentiles. He's not addressing non-believers, although it would be beneficial for them if they would come into alignment with the Lord's plan. But he is in fact addressing and and reprimanding and encouraging and exhorting and admonishing those that profess to be Christians or believers or members of the faith. Right? Yes. Followers of Christ. That's who he is addressing. And he already addressed divisions and all the rest of that. And... In this chapter, now he's addressing another major topic of sexual immorality. Right? Yes. And we brought up some interesting things yesterday in the conversation. One of them was how sin takes you further than you want to go, makes you stay longer than you wanted to stay, and costs more than you wanted to to ever pay. Right? But let's look at what's happening. The church here in Corinth has allowed things to take place under I'll say their roof or their house the place that the Lord gave them to uphold right you to watch over to care over that the Lord had given authority to to protect and to guard against things that would try to creep in right it didn't try to, it didn't try to creep in through unbelievers this is through people that, were members of that congregation, and and it, when he addresses the church, it also just wasn't one congregation; it was many throughout the in, that entire place. Right, whether it was a home church, whether it was a, a church like we would know it—a church building, right? He's addressing them as a whole, as one. Everybody in that place, every church, every uh, every assembly, every congregation, in. Corinth, all right? But it, and, and Dean, I think Dean brought this up, where there was a pride aspect of it. Because where was Paul? He's not even there. You see that exhibited or stated plainly in verse 3. It said, I absent in body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were there. Meaning he's not even there. So the fact is that these things were so prevalent were so were done so blatantly, willingly, willfully, that the reputation, the character was being known that of their actions, their immoral actions, were being known and spread beyond just that place. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean that congregation, whether it was a home church, whatever the case was, but beyond Corinth. That it was being related to Paul. That's significant, right? Like Let's consider that for a moment. It, it, the, the words or the actions had, that were against the Lord had spread so far that others were now being made aware of of the immorality or just the opposition to the Lord, to his ways, by professing believers, Mm -hmm. thus bringing shame and discrediting the gospel. Mm
1: -hmm. And there was no texting, there was no um, YouTube video, no Snapchat, no Instagram, you could put it up, oh, this is Corinth, you know, take a picture real quick, or, you know. a video, or, right. No, they had to carry word from one place to the other, which oftentimes took a great deal of time, depending on the distance from where they were going, and the season.
0: Exactly. So... What Paul is addressing in these scriptures, in verses 9 through the end of the chapter, is we must judge immorality, right? And, and he lists a few different ones, not just sexual immorality. Anything that is against the word of the Lord among believers. And, and he, he says that in, it makes it really plain, in verse 5, right? He says that he delivered such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. All right? Yes. And on the surface, this sounds really harsh. But also within church, uh, right, many have come to this, this place or interpreted that to mean, well, I can go judge people. He wasn't, Paul in this case was not judging the person, but the action. Right? Um, what Paul is saying here is literally no different than what Jesus said in the parable of the prodigal son. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. And if you're looking for where that is, it's in Luke 15, begins in verse 11. And if we look at that, that parable, the son asked the father... For his, his inheritance. That he can go out and live and do whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And what does the father do? He gives, it to him. he gives it to him. He doesn't try to prevent him. He right. He doesn't say, No, you're not ready. You're he just says, Okay, if you want to go, you can go. In other words, when we when we consider that, we have to look at how far down that relationship had to go or be broken down, the fabric of that relationship. That the father was like, okay, you've reached the age or whatever the case is. If this is what you want to do, then go do it, knowing full well what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. Because, as you, if you look throughout that, and I'll let you guys read it on your own. What was the father's perception of what happened? He died. That his son was dead.
1: So the relationship was severed. Exactly severed so the relationship and allowed him to depart. And he, both this father and this. And the parable and Paul are taking the perspective of being a father ruling over their household
0: exactly. and
1: and discerning and determining what is allowable and what is not. Just like um, Joshua said, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So in this prodigal um, parable, he's saying, you can't do those things here. That's why the son had to depart. You can't do this in this household, right? If it's as yes. for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Those actions, what you're proposing to do or trying to engage in are not serving the Lord. So he allowed that relationship to be severed. He didn't sever it. The son requested that and he allowed it to be severed. But he also said, you cannot stay here and do that. You can't live in the corner of my household with your money and bring your harlots over here and, you know, whatever it was, a riotous living that he was to partake exactly. in. And also as in first um, Corinthians, Paul described himself as a father in chapter four setting the tone of how he was governing this. I, as a father looking at my own household, this is not allowed here. Because as for this house, the body of Christ, we serve the Lord.
0: All right. So is everybody tracking? Yes. You following along? Okay. So with that, and and I can't remember if it was Dean or if it was you, honey, honey, that brought this up um, last the last time about... The when people determine to do something in spite of, I'll say the standard for the house. Sometimes they just have to go experience what that that causes. But then there's also the maybe we haven't fully realized all the ways which we are currently being negatively impacted and affected by that, right? Uh, especially as it pertains to sexual sin and sexual immorality. Because for the first three plus chapters, Paul's addressing a whole lot of things, ultimately all around division and dissension in the church. May that quite be, is it possible, I should say, that that may have stemmed from some of these actions and behaviors? In other words, things that they, as in the leadership of the church, allowed in and didn't deal with within the church yes that they allowed to continue to the point of creating these things
1: so are you saying they they opened the door with because they were winking at sin if you will they were ignoring or allowing this open sin to go on before them they opened the door for the enemy to come in and cause disruption in other ways
0: absolutely yes. okay so right so we talked about sin takes us further than we ever wanted to go mm-hmm. it doesn't just remain in the same place right that's why you can look at excuse me Deuteronomy 28 or Leviticus 26 and there's a lot more verses that describe sin and what may happen as a result of sin. Why? Because it's complicated. It doesn't just, well, I did this, so now I can expect the results to be this. Mm-hmm. There are numerous ways in which sin impacts us. Mm-hmm.
1: And sin is never isolated. Exactly. In a one, one place in time event, and that's it. There are always a, a shockwave of repercussions or a root system of repercussions that are ble- are branched out from one action of sin.
0: Absolutely. So,
4: so Paul... Always starts with a thought. Always starts with a thought.
0: Absolutely, brother. Yep. A seed. Yes. So, what Paul is saying here in in verse 5, right? Chapter 5, verse 5, is the exact same thing that Jesus is saying in that parable. You wanted this. You asked for this. You asked to leave, to depart, because you have no intention of... Uh, Abiding by the standard for this house.
3: Being part of the family.
0: Exactly. So, in other words, asking to leave. So, Paul is saying, I'm inviting you to leave as a result. Right? There's a cost to be the boss. So, okay, this is what you want to do. Okay. Go experience all these things. And and it isn't a, a just get out of the house. It's purposeful. And I say that in the way of, he says very plainly, for the destruction of the flesh, in other words, that the flesh would be ultimately consumed, that the spirit may be saved. So in other words, just like in the prodigal son, the whole point and purpose was that experience the error of his ways, his thoughts, all those things, so he could reign them in. And then the prodigal son, again, had the thought, like Dean just pointed out, <coughs> of, I'll go return to my father. And then, therefore, be saved, right? We, when we choose wittingly, willfully, right, whatever, to be in opposition to the Lord, are essentially asking to be separated. And He allows us to go so that we can experience the consequences of those actions and ultimately return to Him. Because that's where we're safe. He's our protector, He's our shield, He's our tall tower our deliverer, our savior, our salvation. Mm -hmm. All comes from him. So, Paul is just saying in a very, I'll say blunt or direct way, uh, he has summed up everything that that Jesus was discussing Mm -hmm. in Luke 15 in the parable of the prodigal son.
1: Mm -hmm. So, he's saying allow the prodigal to depart and make that distinction that the, the prodigal must depart at this phase because there's he does not want to come back in to the obedience of jesus christ he wants to persist in the sin that he's in and as such cannot stay here
0: exactly and then i find it interesting right right after he discusses that he says your glory is not good all right the lord tells us our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags so in other words how this was handled was incorrect why and he goes into a little leaven leavens the whole loaf right so in other words by allowing this to remain this this foothold right of the enemy look at all the different ways it's spread out now Paul's uh, Paul has more things to address here in Corinthians he's only just started talking about dissensions divisions mm-hmm. and now immorality. But look at all the things that are happening as a result of allowing this to remain here and not addressing the situation, right? In love, of course, but disciplining as a result of, uh, uh, disciplining in and because of love. as I don't want this person to experience these things, but they come the as person, a result of.
1: The person has to not want. Exactly. As well. There, we have a, a there sovereign will that God gave us as human beings. He gave us our own will. Mm-hmm. and it's important we have to take account of that know that we can choose and we have self-control right not yes. other people control we have self-control so in that there's two sides to the same coin we want reconciliation however and the other person has to want to be reconciled as well for the reconciliation to actually happen we can pray for others we can um intercede on their behalf and we we should absolutely do those things and if the other, the believer that is disjointed wants to remain disjointed, the whole the whole lump has to be preserved, right? We have to yes. allow, make sure we don't open the door for the enemy to come in and, as, like you were saying, honey, the seeds of the sensual and carnal were being manifested in various ways throughout this particular community.
0: Absolutely. And... And again, Paul is addressing believers, people that have been set apart or sanctified to the Lord, or at least that's the confession. That's what they are professing, right?
3: Yes. Okay,
0: it's not judging the rest of the world. That's not what he's doing here. But he's saying if you who are following Christ, you shouldn't be doing these things. And and we talk about the sin taking you further than you want to go. And the In the case of this sexual immorality, Right? He's saying even the, the Gentiles, the people that don't believe in the Lord or are not yet following the Lord aren't even doing these actions and behaviors. So he's saying it's it's even worse. What the actions that the church is doing are even worse than what the Gentiles are doing. But yet we're supposed to be reconciling them back to the Lord. How can we do that if, if our actions are even in further opposition than what they are doing. And that's in a natural, with a natural view and perspective, right? Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. Sin is sin. All right? yes, sexual immorality is, is different, right? We talked about that yesterday. So um, if you have not heard it, listen to it and get a, a fuller understanding. I'm not going to repeat all of that here today. Well, please go listen to it uh, for yourself. But again, it, he's addressing the church. And that's very evident, as you see in verse 11, where it says, I've now, I've, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. Those are people in the church, in the faith. Right? Any brother who is sexually immoral, immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a viler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not to even eat with such a person. How can two walk together unless they agree?
2: Can't, can't.
0: Okay. So this is something, and, and John writes about this too. There are many that were with us, but they were not of us. Okay. They left. They went and did their own thing, right? They didn't believe. Is that, does that make sense now? Yes. We're seeing the, there's no difference. It's the same all the way around. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not talking about people in the world. Or the same as Jesus in his what's known as the priestly prayer, right, in, G- in the Gospel of John 17. Um, hold on there, let me find the verse. It's seventeen fifteen, 15. John 17, 15 says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Right? So again, he's... Even in the priestly prayer, what's known as the high priestly prayer, Jesus is not asking to in sanctification to take disciples, believers, Christians, out of the world. But the whole point and purpose is that we would judge ourselves. And if we judged ourselves rightly, then these things that Paul is addressing here at the church in Corinth would not even be named among us. But that's the way it's always been we can go back to to the old testament and look at second chronicles 7:14 right we, i think m- many should know that verse it's been said quite a bit for the past few years if my people who are called by ne- by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Did you see all those things? Humble themselves, pray, seek the Lord's face, and then it says, turn from their wicked ways. That is the Lord's people, not the whole world, not the whole nation, not your state or your city. You, me, the church, that's who the Lord has been talking to through the, through the prophets, through his, himself in his earthly ministry, and through all the disciples and apostles and, and prophets and everyone else. He's talking to his people, those that profess the name of Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's saying, clean these things up within you. Give no place to the enemy. Let's bring these things into alignment. Let's uproot them from our lives to be the salt and the light in the earth and to reconcile those that are not yet believers back to Christ.
1: I just, I, while you were saying that, I had the Holy Spirit kind of shared a thought with me and it made me laugh. Um, when, what you were talking about when Jesus said that he doesn't pray that we would be taken out of the world, but that in the world we'd be, we would be preserved or kept safe. Um in heaven right god doesn't just want a bunch of lights in heaven why because jesus is the light like there's no other there's no other light that's going to be there jesus is literally going to provide the light of eternity so where is light most effective
0: in the darkness when it's
1: dark so when he was talking about um in first corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 through 11 god needs us to be the light among the people that are perishing the fragrance and the aroma of the knowledge of God being diffused in the earth. He needs that to come from us. So it's just a a beautiful picture to see how God does things. He wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. So as he's telling them, you know, I'm not telling you to police and control other people. I'm talking about us, the body, making sure the body looks like and reflects Jesus Christ. And at the same time, God doesn't want us, as we are being the light, we have to be the light. The light does not succumb to the darkness, but the light overpowers the darkness. So as you are amongst them, make sure that you are continuing to fellowship in a way that you are not taking on their darkness, but you are shedding the light of God, shedding it abroad and causing them to come to Jesus Christ, not you fall away to Satan. Right? That's why he says, be in the world but not of the world be transformed by the renewing of your mind right now yes we're not being conformed to what the world wants
0: uh-huh.
1: but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind so there's a distinction we're we're in the world but just because like so jesus for example he ate with the sinners
4: yes. and the
1: religious groups were like don't you know these are dirty people i'm summarizing mm. that they're they're sinful people they're doing this that and the other and jesus said it's not the the well that needs the physician, it's the sick. However, when you examine that relationship, Jesus wasn't taking counsel from the sinners and the unbelievers. Jesus wasn't there becoming like them. He was in the place helping them become like him. And that's what we are supposed to do. So as he's, Paul is talking about this um, in verses nine and 11, he's not talking about being common with them as though we're sharing ideas and, oh, this is what you're doing. You, you got an idol over there, so I'm going to serve idols too. No, that's what he told the children of Israel, to stay, stay separate from that kind of thing. But he didn't say withhold yourself, your presence, because how is the light going to be shined if it's under a basket, if it's all hoarded to one place in one area and never to be seen by anyone else? How is it going to be effective? Was that clear? Not, mm-hmm. Did I say yes. that? Yes. Okay. Hey, Amen. Okay, I think Dean or... The Charles, someone?
0: Who else has something they want to
4: share?
1: I do.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Bubby. I think Bubby did. Um, but he before was... that, go ahead, Dean. Go
4: ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, again, it seems to be um, reoccurring, but we, we uh, always examine ourselves first before we examine others. Amen. And so as we look at this uh, putting off or putting out, you know, uh, somebody uh, from the church. There should always be a component of that person should know that you are grieving the loss of them, absolutely, and you eagerly await their return. You, know, you brought up the prodigal son. I'm sure the dad wasn't like, "Well, good, go,"
0: right? No, yeah, I'm done with all.
4: you. No, no, no I'm sure he very knew, very well, well knew that you know, dad was like, "Man, I I I don't want you to go," mm-hmm. but 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 you've made decisions now exactly. that, that require that, and you know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he mourned his loss if he equated him as dead. You know, just like when Jacob thought Joseph was dead, he mourned his loss for a great amount of time.
4: Well, right. Even the prodigal son said, um, who of my father's servants is hungry? So it, mm-hmm. he knew that at least it would be an acceptance at some level when he returned to his father. It was not mm-hmm. an expectation of rejection. That's right. So even though he, he misunderstood the fullness of that, mm-hmm. there was... The father clearly conveyed that as he left, and that was the doorway to, to come mm-hmm. back in that. So just, mm-hmm. we always have to check ourselves. It's just so easy to look down our noses, as it were, to others, mm-hmm. and we just always got to put that in check. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Go
1: ahead, Charles. Sorry. Um, there's
5: two things I want to talk about. First four, verse 11 and verse... <clears throat> Twelve. first I want to start with verse 11 where he's saying that he does not not keep company with those people who always just remind me of the scripture. I was unable to find it, but it says where bad company ruins good manners. Meaning that if you're constantly around these people, you're eventually going to pick up stuff. Like if I'm always around somebody, I start to do actions that I think are desirable for my life. Or... I feel like I won. But the same is true when you're around people that are clearly not following the Lord. You still pick up things and if it's they're not following Christ, it's not for the good. Okay. 1 Corinthians 5.15. Mm-hmm. Let us go to 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Meaning that we cannot hope to associate with all these people and still expect to come out holy and clean at the end. Jesus was able to do that be- because he was grounded and rooted in the truth and he wasn't swayed by what other people were saying. Same should be true with us. That doesn't mean that you can't go and talk to anybody who's doing sin, but it means that you're not. Making it a habit of always going around them. Uh, be, and keeping company, like, watching them. There's a difference. Like, we are reading this one book he was talking about. If people who are always want to hold you down, don't be friends with them. Doesn't mean, like, be nasty to them. But spend relegate your time to a shorter time period than always being around them. And that's the person you can confide in of all your stuff. And but you should be going to the person who has a correct understanding and viewpoint of what's happening.
1: Okay. Um, I I think also what you're saying is something that Mr. Dean mentioned was if we justify the sin of others, then there won't be long before we find ourselves engaged Mm -hmm. in that same kind of sin or worse. Um, By going, oh, that's okay. You're a believer and you're doing this, so I'm a believer. That means I can do that too. When looking at the, when he was talking about anyone named a brother committing these kind of acts or living this kind of lifestyle. So if you look at it in a way of justifying it, there won't be long before you find yourself engaged in it and ensnared and entrapped by it. But if you are amongst them, looking at them, pitying them with compassion, knowing all the while the truth of God's word, there is no justification, but there is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And first there's no justification for me to say, to engage in these kind of actions and behaviors. And, Still, there is compassion and forgiveness, and there's always a path of reconciliation back to Jesus Christ.
5: Yes, and that kind of leads to my second point, where you sing, "For what do I have to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are who are inside?" If you guys will flip with me to Hebrew six verse four. it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put them to an open shame it just reminds me of how we, us being in the body of Christ doesn't mean that we are perfect in all of our mannerisms and how we don't have hearts where we fall away but it's a willful disobedience in saying i know exactly what i'm supposed to be doing and what i'm not supposed to be doing but i'm going to go what i know i'm not supposed to be doing and doing that action and paul was saying that when these people how they're inside the church he's not going to fellowship around them there is no need they have already know what the truth is it is now up to the holy spirit to bring them back like he turned their souls over he wasn't following them down the street waiting for them to come back pulling their garments and saying come out back now but he allowed them to go out and the holy spirit to come in and renew their minds and help them come back into the body and i think i think the same thing is happening here and what paul's getting at is that while these people are inside of christ there's always a build up to being turned out first you bring a brother first actually first you talk to them yourself mm-hmm. then you bring your brother then you go to the elders <coughs> and then they'll be turned out meaning that one once it gets to that point they the Lord can do miraculous things through it and, and it could happen that they change at the spur of a moment, but is that what's really going to happen if they're unwilling to listen to how the Holy Spirit's ministering to others will they'll be in tune to his own voice when he tried to come to them at the beginning
1: well they could be so that's a point where you don't judge whether yes. or not they're going to change their heart or their mm-hmm. mind or not are your job and you were on the, you were going. You're you're on it, baby. Uh You listen to the Holy Spirit. He's the one who determines how each situation should be handled, right? The writing's on the wall. You see what's going on. Holy Spirit, what's going on here? How do you want me to handle it? And you, like you said, you go to them and correct them in love. And if they don't hear you, you take a brother, and then you take an elder. And then it's dealt with. Right. But the Holy Spirit is the dictator of all of those things. And he's also the one that gives us the cue of now it's time to turn the situation around. This is the answer. This is what's going on. So we we never take it and make an assumption of, well, you're doing all this already. You're not going to change your mind. Whoa, because we are not the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Holy Spirit is. So as Holy Spirit sees what's going on and knows Mm -hmm. and, and judges the situation and the thoughts and intents of their heart. We listen to His word on that, and then we act according to
0: what He tells us to do. Exactly, which is why in that same structure that you just mentioned, the last step is going to the elder. Why? Okay, well, I'll tell you. The elder is the person that the Lord has placed in the position and given authority to guide, guard, and govern. Well, I'll say guiding is done by the Holy Spirit. So, guarding and governing. The house, right? Moses was faithful in all the Lord's house, or was faithful in the Lord's house. Jesus was faithful in all of the Lord's house, right? Yes. Okay. There's the guarding and the governing. So, the elder, the person that the Lord has placed in that position, given authority, in in a house, normally ours, Right, that's your mother and I. Right, yes, we have the authority. You, you do not. You can uh, same as the first steps. Right, rebuke, exhort, encourage, admonish. Right, all the things that Paul says to Timothy. Do all those things. Right. Yes. You all have those uh, those opportunities. Right, that's built into the the structure of the house, as we receive from the Lord. Right? So that same pattern exists even in this house. And you know, you've heard it many times. It is consistent throughout the word, throughout the the word and the structure and the fabric that the Lord has set for for his church, the body.
4: Let's, Charles, just want to make sure I know you didn't mean this, but sometimes people hear what they want to hear. And so we were making reference to Matthew 18 about how to approach a brother who you see is in sin in that second step of bringing uh, someone with you, the mindset of that for us to be is similar to what we talked about before. If we have a thought, we check that thought against God's word, Um, we check it with the Holy Spirit, and then we check it within the body to have somebody make sure that we're correct in our thinking in that. When we bring that brother with us, that intent of that is to ensure that we're okay with where we are, not bringing a brother that already has a predisposition for our thought and is going to help us beat up the other person to convince them that we're right.
0: Amen. Yes.
4: I know you know it, but not always people hear that. And not, and not everybody has been taught that. They have been taught other about that section of Scripture or not taught fully so they've made the assumption that that's what it means. I'm going to bring somebody with me. I'm going to prove my point to them. I'm going to be right. It's so easy for us to jump to that. And so that's why it's so important to be clear we were making a reference to a scripture. How it should be applied as well,
1: mm-hmm. and and even in as we look at it and, and judge our thoughts, that perspective was a carnal and a fleshly perspective. I'm right. Well, we're here. God is right. So that's letting the Holy Spirit dictate. Are you coming because of you want to do something? Mm-mm. Are you coming because this is what God is? placed this is what the holy spirit has said this is what is right according to the word so even that the word of god is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart able to discern joint and marrow so Mm -hmm.
0: right and just to build on what you said you brought up hebrews 6 which was a a great point right That same point is made in hebrews again in chapter 10 you can start in verse 26 right Says, for if we sin willfully after we re- have received knowledge of the truth, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. The key there is willful. It's not that we receive a truth and now we don't sin anymore, although that is the goal, or be conformed to the image of Christ, right? That's what we're, I'll say, striving towards, right? being transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? So it's not that we don't sin, but what is our desire and our attitude? Is it willful, blatant, wittingly, witting sin? As in we intended and purposed to do this, even knowing what the Word says, and knowing or disregarding, being in opposition to the Holy Spirit who's convicting us and ministering to us even in that moment, Right? okay because then there's a interesting thing as it continues it says we are we just talked about it right no one's to take the word of anyone except by two or three witnesses and in Hebrews 10 it says no one takes the let me read it anyone who's rejected Moses law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses verse 29 is key of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be? Thought worthy, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant uh, by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. Uh, I think we, I don't know if everyone's aware of, of what all that happens in that moment when we willfully, wittingly sin, right? It doesn't say in Corinthians how many times that this was addressed or brought up but the fact that it still remained. When Paul wrote this letter, again, honey, you brought this up. These were not the days of Instagram and Facebook and email and or everything being instant and right on as, you know, like happening in the moment. Time, like months had to happen for some of these journeys. For some it was years. So the, this, these things were continuing for time, all this time. And then being addressed. But when we willfully sin, there are two or three witnesses, but it says very plainly, You have trampled the Son of God underfoot, you have counted the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified as common, as it like as it as profane, even right? Separate the holy from the profane. That's what the prophets were taught to teach the people. And then even further. It's insulted the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Grace. Like, that is what is happening in the body. That is what Paul is addressing here for the church in Corinth. But it didn't just apply to them then. It applies to us today. Why do you think even in Chronicles, right, that we read, turn from their wicked ways, the ways that are against the Lord. That's in the church. That's in the body. If my people, right, if He's our Lord and Savior, meaning He is our God and we are His people. Then that's us. Let's turn from our wicked ways. Let's repent. Let's humble ourselves. Repent. Seek the Lord's face and come back into alignment. Judging ourselves rightly, that we can be blameless before Him, which only happens through His blood. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's pause there for today because um, there's a lot in there. <laughs> so, uh, give you the opportunity to let the Holy Spirit minister all that to you. And again, to email us at a day dayofprayer at yahoo.com with any questions that you may have. All right. So, can I guess I'm going to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right. I promise. Lord,
2: well, I just thank you for coming to if I missed and staying there and just. Showing us how to overcome the lock that's inside of our eyes. And just lighting up the path with yourself and dispersing us so that we can help spread the gospel to other places of the world. In the name of Jesus, Amen.
0: Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store.
0: Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.